Newly dedicated to the light side of the force, Castian, Saya, and Laris step up to help Union workers on the run from a nasty bounty hunter on a desert planet. But Laris reveals a secret she's been keeping at an inopportune moment. We begin on a desert planet, under the hot noonday sun, oppressive heat just hangs down on everyone, including a tableau of people standing in the middle of sand dunes, weapons drawn. On one side of the standoff is a Rodian, green skin, Black, bulbous eyes, dressed impeccably for the environment, obviously someone that specializes in tracking bounties to such arid desert worlds. Across from the Rodian stands four people, two humans and two small Bothans. One of the humans is a dark-skinned woman with a cybernetic around the outside of her head. Who is the other person standing there? The other person is wearing a robe. It is a brown, tattered robe. Honestly, it looks like something that you might have picked up from the nearby alleyway, something to quickly throw over himself. A shadow is cast over his face from the hood of the cloak, but you do see a beard. It's a black beard. It hasn't quite hit what you would describe as a short beard, but it's definitely above five o'clock shadow. And he's just standing there. Uh, his hand lazily resting on the hilt of his blaster pistol that hangs off a belt. The robed figure and the Rodian are in a standoff. The Rodian has his blaster pistol pulled, and he speaks to you in heavily accented basic. You are wasting my time and costing me money. I will take my bounties and you as well to recoup my cost. That's fair. I mean, you've been chasing us for the past, I don't know, 12 hours, and this was supposed to be a quick job for you. I mean, did they promise you hazard pay? Because it has been quite an adventure for both of us. We've gone into the sewers, we've jumped from rooftops, there was those lizard creatures that we rode all the way here that you ended up sniping, and that was a disgusting mess that you, well, left for me to handle. But now we're here. And you have a blaster aimed at me, and you're not firing because, oh god, that's right! And Castian is opening up his robe, and attached to Castian is a old iron-rusted tank. Something that you would probably wear scuba diving. And Castian flashes him a smile and says, Because you know this gas is incredibly flammable, and you need to have these people at least marginally recognizable if you're to bring them in. God, and you haven't been that good of a shot, have you? The Rodian considers you for a moment, and then the blaster distinctly moves a couple of degrees to the right, pointing at Laris. Oh, that's a terrible move, but no, 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 no. This is smart. You go ahead. You're the professional here. You're the professional. Aiming your blaster at her is... Oh, God. No, no, it's fine. Castian mumbles towards Laris. Just make it quick. You are bluffing. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm bluffing. Really? <laughs> I am sure that you are well aware that this is uh, Nilian, former handmaiden of the Nabooan Queen. 
<laughs> and I am sure you are fully aware what she's able to do. I mean, right now she's already calculated how to easily step out of the way of your blaster shot and then throw a blade all the way over there right into your gullet. So she's just waiting for you to do your thing. I, I don't want to interrupt. I don't want to interrupt. Please go ahead. Uh, take your shot. And the Rodian's finger moves to the trigger. And then a communicator sounds. It just kind of echoes between the two of them into the desert air. And finally, Cassian's going to say, well, it's not mine. It is unimportant. No, of course, of course. I'm, I'm sure that's not your current bounty telling you that since you've taken so long to catch us, you won't be paid in full. And, and that's totally worth your life now of you trying to capture us if you're not going to get paid. But no, yeah, go, go. I'm sorry. I keep on interrupting. This is embarrassing. Go. Castian, I feel like it's time for a die roll. You are obviously trying to bluff or deceive this fellow bounty hunter who is, you know, used to people trying to talk their way out of being taken in, dead or alive. So I'm going to say that this is probably a hard check. I will give you a boost die because, as you said, this has been a very long chase. So perhaps not all of their wits are about them. I got three successes and two threats. The Rodian pauses. The communicator continues to ring. Out of the corner of your eye, Castian, you see next to you, Laris flinches. She seems to be shaking her head slightly. Castian's not sure if that's a signal that we're working on, but for now, he's just going to like shoot her a brief glance as if to say, like, calm down, everything's fine, before looking back towards the Rodian, trying to maintain this completely calm facade. The Rodian keeps the gun pointed at you, but uses their free hand to access their communicator. A communication comes in in Rodian. You know a couple of words of Rodian, but certainly not well enough to catch everything over the sound of the wind blowing through the sand and on this tinny communicator speaker. The only word that you can make out is Tatooine. The Rodian flips their communicator closed, pockets it, and sheaths their weapon. There is something more valuable for me to pursue. Consider this your lucky day. Absolutely. I am so lucky right now. Ta-ta, it's been wonderful meeting you. Thank you so much for this little exercise. This planet is hell, Castian is shouting out to him. He just turns and walks into the sand. Castian waits a few ticks before letting out a deep breath. And then he's just kind of dropping that giant tank that he's holding. Opens up like a dial on the side of it and water comes out of it, and he takes a few desperate mouthfuls of it before turning it off once more and standing back up. And then he turns on his heels towards the two other figures. You said these were? Bothans. All right. Well, from what I was told, this was supposed to be a three-hour tour, and, well, this has been half the day. Uh, union representatives, yes? The Bothans nod, and they begin speaking to you very excitedly. In their Bothan language. Uh, no, 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 no. I, I, I do not need the details. All we need is the payment that was due for us providing protection and uh, getting you to, of course, the union meeting, which technically we did not make it, but you did survive and you can have another meeting. The Bothans turn to Laris and they begin speaking very fast at her. While you can certainly understand 
the Bothan language. Laris, of course, is much well is much better versed in translation. Probably not as good as Skitter, but Skitter didn't want to come down to the surface of a sandy desert planet. Yes, it was his decision. Sand gets everywhere. He hates sand. And Laris resumes translating. They feel that it is imperative that you truly understand how grateful they are that a hero came to rescue them rather than the Imperial... The Imperial... Imperial... And Laris's gaze just stares off into the distance, a thousand-yard stare, as she begins to shiver uncontrollably. Hey, Laris. Laris, it's all right. Laris. Castian's going to move immediately to her and, like, you know, grab her by the shoulders. And he's going to try to see what's wrong with her. All right. Give me a medicine roll. Difficulty? This is going to be another hard roll. I am upgrading one of those because you are not in a place to make a good diagnosis. Surprisingly, I got two successes. You are certainly not a medical expert by any means, Castian. But you would say that she seems to be in shock. Shock like as in fear, as in like surprise, as in like some like an electrocution? Shock as in her system is feeling overwhelmed in some way. It's the shock that you feel if you've suffered a major injury or if you've had a severe fright. Castian is going to immediately sit her down, and then he's going to bring the tank over towards her and try to get some water in her face. And he's looking towards the Bothans and just holding up one finger. She's not used to the heat. It's just a little heat exhaustion. We've been running for 12 hours. Just just one, just one minute. Laris, Laris, hey, come on. Talk to me. Talk to me. The Bothans chatter amongst themselves, and they take a couple of steps back. With the cool water on her face, Laris stops shaking. Imperial agents, she finishes her sentence. Oh, uh, are, are you all right? You, you've, you literally just kind of blacked out there for a second and just kept on repeating Imperial for like a minute. It was, are you feeling all right? Is it the heat? Yes, I merely required hydration. Thank you. All right, uh, let's get the payday so we can pay, make those repairs so we can get off this planet and we can get you back on the ship. You... You know, not to be offensive, but you look a little bit, you know, under the weather. It has been a long day, as you have stated. Yes. Okay, well, let's finish this, get paid, and, uh, you know, while you do that, I will call Bone for pickup. Skitter has been left in command of the ship. Yeah, well, Bone's on the planet so he can grab a vehicle for us. Understood. And Castine's going to walk away and activate his communicator. Bone! Yes, yes, it's me. Yes, it's me. Yep, I'm transmitting the code. Everything is all right now. What do you mean that's not the right code? Well, let me try again. Oh, there it is. Yes, yes. See, I sent you the one that said I was being tortured and I needed help. No, that, that, this is the one that says the mission is accomplished. It's been a long day, Bone. Regardless, I need you to come pick us up. Well, we left you with some funds. Gambling? Oh, you won. Well, delightful. Um, yes, use some of your well-earned credits and get us a... a, a uh, we need something that can carry four of us back to uh, the ship. Uh, we are at these coordinates. I know it's going to take a little while, which is why I'm asking you to pick us up. Thank you. And Castian shakes his head and turns off the communicator before turning back towards Laris to see if she's still talking to the Bothans or if she's glitching out. As far as you can tell, Laris is having a perfectly calm conversation with the Bothans in their language. 
Castian waits for a lull in the conversation before kind of pulling her away. Are they paying us in full? Yes. Delightful, yes. And did you get a little extra? I mean, I was incredibly heroic as they brought up. No. Of course, of course. Bothans are all about the deal. Well, at least we are getting enough to make those repairs to the hyperdrive. Indeed. Um, Bone said uh, he will be on his way. Uh, he apparently stopped off at one of the cantinas and won a bit of coin, so uh, hopefully he'll be picking us up in something nice. Are you sure you're okay? Of course. I mean, if you're af- afraid about of the Rodian thing, I, he wasn't going to be able to take the shot on you. I had it all under control. Afraid of what thing? Of the Rodian firing at you. I, I, I had it all under control. Laris looks to the side for a moment, which is a very unusual gesture from her. She usually is very straightforward. And then she looks back at you. Of course. Castian kind of gives her a good-natured smile before mumbling, put your turban back on. You're getting heat stroke. And he's kind of reaching down towards her belt where she has like this little turban mask thing and then just like shoves it into her hand. And get some rest. Sit down. It's going to be about 20, 30 minutes before Bone can pick us up. Of course. And Laris will sit down. Right where she was standing. Castian's keeping an eye on her, but other than that, he's just waiting and occasionally maybe making pleasant conversation with the Bothans, though he doesn't speak that well of Bothanese, and they don't apparently speak that great of basic. So it's just kind of stilted. At one point, it's really just circling around like, man, it's hot. It's so hot. Smash cut to the four of you sitting in the back of a very nice speeder with bone at the controls, gliding over the sand dunes, heading back towards what passes for a city on this backwater desert planet. You know, for being this being backwatered, I gotta admit, I, the speeder's pretty nice, Castian mumbles as he's playing with some of the controls. Castian, you know, he doesn't really get to own a speeder these days, so every time he gets kind of to rent one, it's kind of nice to see all the new features. What do you mean you won it? Is wait you own this? <laughs> Look at this! Uh, what what are we going to name this? Castian nods his head. Castian, you drop the Bothans off with their trade union to great appreciation from both the Bothans that you rescued and the others in the union. They are very excited to see their compatriots return to them. And after a successful mission has been completed and the credits have been deposited in your accounts, you return to the Howling Gundark with Laris and Bone. And of course, Skitter is there to greet you. Oh, don't play the song. Don't play the song. The song plays. Oh, it's a heroic song that Skitter picked up somewhere. And it's all because Castian at one point told Laris that, you know, we can be heroes now. And that's kind of a verse in the song. And Castian just kind of rubs at his face as he just walks past Skitter. Sir, sir, please do not track sand into the ship. Oh, it's a sand planet. There's nothing but sand out there. It wreaks havoc on my joints. Bone, run the sweeper. And Castian is just walking past the complaining skitter and towards his room. And of course, it is the room that is usually his alone unless they have passengers and then he has to share the bunks. But, uh, you know, on the top bunk, there's a bunch of boxes with his stuff. There's a nice collection of personal items along the shelves. And of course, there is his data pad resting on top of the nearby desk. And he picks up his data pad, turns it on, and he's falling back into his bed to reread a letter that he has on there for the 50th time. A letter 
from Cerise Nabella. It's safer to send letters instead of visuals, so uh, they, they become quite good at writing letters to each other. Dear Castian, Attached to the metadata of this letter, you will find the new coordinates to direct all communication towards. I am now Junior Undersecretary to the Comptroller of the Household of House Orden of Alderaan, and we have settled into the house's traditional summer home in Crevasse City. It is an out-of-the-way place to be sure. There isn't even a spaceport here. The days are short even in summer and near the surface, but the evening views as the lights come on throughout the canyon are breathtaking. Perhaps someday you will be able to join me to see them. I understand the galaxy at large is facing much unrest recently. I hope you are keeping your nose clean. While Alderaan itself is immune to many of the problems of the galaxy, it is a known refuge for those in need. Before we left Aldera for the season, I would sometimes clock five refugee transports arriving every day, all with reports of pitched battles on far-flung planets between the increasingly militarized terrorists and the Empire. Throughout the galaxy, Alderaan is known as a beacon of peace and hope, and so those in need of help keep flocking to her shores. The Queen continues to keep Alderaan's spaceports open to all, but I worry about the pushback the Viceroy and the Princess may be facing in the Senate. I have had the pleasure of being in her presence once since taking my position in House Orden, and she seems to truly be a bright young woman, aware of the seriousness of the role into which she has been adopted. While I hope Queen Breha lives for many more years, I know the future of Alderaan will be bright with Princess Leia at the helm. Per your last letter, I have begun reading the Gamorrean Gambit series in what remains of my free time. I admit there is a certain appeal to the storytelling, but the writing itself feels <laughs> juvenile. Not to mention, I cannot be seen with the book cover around my superiors. It was difficult enough to find a position without Imperial references. I do not wish to jeopardize what I have built. Please write me back at your earliest convenience. The nights in Crevasse City are long, and with the summer off-season, my duties are light. I look forward to hearing from you soon. Most earnestly, Cerise Nabella. So, Castian, as you lay back rereading your letter, you know that the ship is in fine hands and you hear the engines spinning up, and before long, Laris comes on board to make the traditional announcement about leaving the atmosphere. Oh, thank the stars. Preparing route to Dathomir. Castian shoots his head up as she says that, and Castian immediately stands up, and instead of just calling Laris, which is the smart thing to do, instead he's just going to quickly run towards the bridge of the ship. Laris! Laris! And he's going to burst right into the bridge. Yes, sir. Did you say Dathomir? No, sir. You said Dathomir. That is incorrect, sir. I said that we were leaving the atmosphere of Azus. Castian pauses... Looks at her, turns around, and then looks back at her as if he's going to say something. And then he just kind of shakes his head and says, all right. And he is going to turn around and just walk slowly back towards his room. As you're walking, you become aware of Skitter's footsteps behind you. And he goes, <coughs> Castian leans back on his heels and looks up at the pipes overhead, takes a deep breath, and then slowly turns on his heels. Yes, Skitter? Ah, sir. Fancy running into you here. I didn't see you. Castian again just lets out a long sigh. What do you want, Skitter? Skitter's head does a full 360 degree swivel on his body before he leans towards you, which of course is really leaning towards like your knees because of the height difference. 
and he whispers, I am concerned about Captain Laris. What? <clears throat> and Skitter looks at the wall and he climbs up it so that he can be face to face with you. Oh, this is a new ability that you have and a new nightmare to add to my retinue of nightmares. I am concerned about Captain Laris. What, what's that to be concerned about? She got a little heat stroke. It predates your mission on this planet. Castian pauses and then narrows his eyes and points to him. What have you been doing? Me, sir, I am offended. Well, I'm offended. You're telling me that she's, she's suffering from something and you've been hiding it? Skitter once again does the 360 degree swivel looking around. Sir, I implore you to keep your voice down. On my ship! It is not your ship. It was my ship at one point, and I'd rather you not bring that up again. The door to the bridge opens. Castine and Skitter both just look immediately towards the bridge, as if they were just two kids caught with their hands in the cookie jar. Laris is standing there in the doorway to the bridge. Is all right out here? Of course, ma'am. Are you all right, Laris? You, you just kind of skipped a word there. I am operating within normal parameters. All right, this, this is getting ridiculous. You, get off the wall. You, have we set our course for hyperspace? Yes, sir. Don't press a button just yet. Bone, I need you to analyze something for me. Please get to the bridge. And after a moment, you hear the familiar whir of Bone's wheels. He is dragging a broom behind him. He is the sweeper protocol. I need you to double check the hyperspace coordinates. Is there a problem, sir? Yes, there is a problem. You're acting weird. Skid is acting weirder than normal. So I'm going to double check before you launch us into space at the speed of light. So, yeah, Castian is going to like kind of brush past Laris, which I'm sure she just loves. And Laris grabs your arm as you try to brush past her. Castian pauses, then turns towards her. Is there an issue here, Laris? Sir, with all due respect, this is my ship. You are not showing the respect due a captain. Castian... Feels like a snare starting, and then he catches himself. He closes his eyes, takes a deep breath, and says, You're right. You're right, Laris. I'm concerned because on the planet, you seem to be having... You seem to be having issues there. I required hydration. Yes, but I am sure that you said Dathomir over the speakers. You said I was wrong. That's fine. Skitter, what'd she say over the speakers? Sir, I really do not feel that it is my place to- Skitter! Captain Laris, I do apologize. But I do believe the cat is out of the bag. What does that mean? Did she say Dathomir? Yes, sir. And what cat has been put in what bag? Bone, check the coordinates. Bone rolls by into the bridge. Bone, while you're doing that, Laris, what's going on? You're messing up. Is there something wrong? Only under the most technical definition of- Wrong. What does that even mean? I'm not that intelligent. You know that. And you're trying to use that against me. What is going on? The place for that conversation is not in a corridor. Okay, we're, we're heading towards... Uh, what planet are we heading towards again? You had that shipment that you had to pick up. Ord Mantel. And at the same time that she says that, Bone gives a couple of beeps, indicating the same thing. Bone then launches into hyperspace. I'm assuming that we have a few days before we hit... Or mental, so we can talk now. Acceptable. And at Bone's command, you hear and feel the familiar sensation of the ship jumping into hyperspace. And with that, Castian is going to wave Laris towards the galley. And Laris will lead the way.
And as we get there, Castian is actually going to start about making some tea. You know, he's a Jedi now, so this is what they drink. <laughs> he's not very good at making tea, but this has been a new thing for him. Oh, we know he's not good at making tea. I remember what happened the last time Castian made a point of making tea for somebody in this galley. I believe that was Calf which is different from tea, but yes, he has switched from calf to tea. But he's making tea. It's a nice herbal blend that he probably screws up and it's a little too herbal. But he sets it down in front of Laris, sets the cup down in front of him, and he takes a seat and says, Laris, you can trust me now. I am a Jedi, so we are wise and trustworthy people. <clears throat> that is not a correct assessment of your status, sir. What do you mean? I I am a Jedi. You are not a Jedi. I, I, okay, this is weird, no. To be a Jedi, according to all of the remaining records, required a ceremony that was done at the Jedi Temple, which you have not been at. Well, it was more of an impromptu. And according to some people, does no longer even exist, even though the physical building okay, continues I, to I, remain. Okay, I know what you're doing. You're just trying to confuse me and get me annoyed and angry so I can storm off and stop asking you questions, but I'm not going to do that because I'm a Jedi and I'm wise. So, what's going on? Why are you glitching? Is it glitching? It is an error in my AJ6 cyborg construct unit. All right, so you you have a broken implant. That is a very rudimentary way of putting it, but yes. Well, wise, I don't know. The AJ6 cyborg construct unit requires maintenance every two years. It has been nearly four years since mine was last maintained. Well, we didn't use all the money to buy that part for the hyperdrive, so you, we could take whatever we have left, and worst comes to worst, we could sell Bones' new ride, and we, we'll have enough and, and get it maintained. I mean, we should have done this uh, years ago if this was an issue. The only places to get proper maintenance are in the inner core, and the serial number on the sentiment suppression subprocessor would give it away as imperial issue. So you're telling me we have to go into the inner core to get this maintained, but if we get it maintained... The serial number that they would have to put into the system, it would trigger alarms. And the Empire is probably looking for any sign of their missing equipment. Correct. Okay, um, there's a legal cyberneticist throughout the, the outer core. Perhaps they have the ability to handle this situation and without dealing with, you know, the, the Imperials. The system that I have been equipped with is top of the line. There is no compatible parts to be found. So you need replacement parts? Correct. The problem was first diagnosed during a self-diagnostic two years ago. At this point, it has obviously degraded to a point that full replacement is necessary. Two years ago? Two, two years? You knew about this problem two years ago and you never brought it up with me? It did not affect my day-to-day -day operations. Well, it affected you and now we're in the situation. We were friends. Why didn't you tell me? I, I could have helped two years ago. You were busy dealing with issues of your own. Oh, like what? You were dealing with an issue brought upon you by the knife from Dathomir. Okay, that's official. And of course, we were actively on the run from the Imperial agents. Oh, uh, yes, I understand that. The rebels were also interested yeah, in you. I get it. It was a busy year. It was a busy year. Okay, fine. Fine. But you, I'm, what I'm trying to say is you should have told me. So now, okay, you didn't tell me. Put that behind us. What can we do about it right now? Because clearly it is affecting your ability to work. So long as I am kept in a neutral emotional state, I can operate at peak efficiency. Laris, we are technically still on the run from the Empire. 
We are constantly getting in blaster fights. We have to deal with Skitter all the time. Hey! I knew you were listening. What I'm saying is, I don't know if that is a solution. It is the only solution that we have. The Sentiment Suppression Subprocessor is designed to allow the user of the AJ6 cyborg construct to process information free of emotional influences. So long as I am kept calm, it can still operate. And as I am calm currently, I am able to analyze all of the data and information that we have at hand, which says we must continue on our journey without diverting to the inner core. Cassian looks away, not pleased about this, before finally saying, Well, I suppose if I keep on arguing with you, I chance you glitching out again, so I suppose, for the time being, we will continue to work as normal. Avoid Imperial entanglements, avoid the rebels as much as possible, and to continue to scrape along any credits that we can muster in order to keep this bucket of bolts flying. But I'll put out feelers to see if there's any solutions out there. If you can be discreet about it, sir. Of course. I'm very discreet. I'm a Jedi. And Castian stands up, flashes a smile, and walks away as he's rubbing at his beard. You look quite dignified, sir. No one asked you! Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fandible Solo Shot, Star Wars Force and Destiny podcast. You can now find all episodes on the Fandible Solo Shot podcast feed on iTunes and all other podcasting platforms. Please subscribe and leave us a review to help new listeners find us for their Star Wars actual play fix. You can also find us on Twitter at Soloshot Podcast. And if you enjoy the stories we tell here and on the rest of the Fandible Podcast Network, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com fandible. Thanks again, and may the Force be with you always. A long time ago, in a galaxy far away, a group of outcasts found each other in the Outer Rim. A failed Jedi. Well, we don't have to run out right now and beat people up. We can take a half hour for you. A captain without a ship. I suggest you let your Deveronian friend do the talking and you continue to stare at your stomp. And a medic with a mysterious past. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, I might have been half wrong. We might die. Together, they hope to find adventure and a little bit of redemption. Oh, that's sweet. They want us tinker buddies. The Redemption Podcast is a long-running actual play podcast set around the time of the Clone Wars, played using the Star Wars RPG system by Fantasy Flight Games and Lucas Books. Check out the show at www.redemptionpodcast.com, a proud member of the Don't Split the Podcast network of shows.